When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to Voices of the Vic with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Ayton. Now, this is a very, very special episode because we're coming in off the back of a not only a first Derby Day fixture, but a first Derby Day victory. It's been 14 years since we played Luton Town and then we went and played them on Saturday. As we record this on the Sunday, we played them yesterday and won 1-0 thanks to a João Pedro goal. And here to discuss it with me, as always, is Ben Ayton. Ben, other than the Derby Day win, how was your weekend, sir? Weekend's been good, mate. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the, watching us beat um, Luton yesterday, get one over our rivals. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, but other than that, weekend's been um, top draw. How about you? Yeah, good. Good to hear. Yeah, weekend's been absolutely fabulous. You know, wins all round, really. You know, we, we go and beat Luton on Saturday. And then, like I say, as we're recording this on the Sunday, I, um, I'm assistant manager for a, uh, a Sunday league team in Birmingham. And we went and won 4-0 today. So, yeah, wins all round. So that's unlike your sides to win the game, isn't it? <laughs> all right, now Ben, <laughs> let's go into that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good. It's been good. But listen, the most important thing is what we've spoke about already. We beat Luton. Like it was. It's been fourteen years. The last one was April two thousand six. I was at. I was at that game. Was you at that game yourself, Ben? Or uh, for one-one draw at home yeah. to Luton? Uh, yeah, that. that, that Actually, that's the only um, Luton-Watford game I've actually been to. Um, I was a bit too young when we drew, we drew them on. Was it a cup game on Tuesday night when the fans ended up going on the pitch and there was fighting? The Luton fans went on the pitch, didn't they? Um, it was pre-match. the Worthington's Cup, as oh, it was wow. named back then. Yeah, I was a bit too young to go to that one. Um, so, yeah, I've only actually been to one, and that was that 1-1 draw when Marlon Keane um, chipped it over the goalkeeper and then um, Luton scored in the second half to equalise. But, yeah, it's a, it's a shame we couldn't go to the game and 
get in there because the atmosphere would have been absolutely rocking in there. And I think oh, it would have man. maybe made the, the tie a bit more tastier because I thought it was a bit um, bit naff yesterday. It wasn't really watching like a local derby, was it? it was, not much happened. I think Chalaba put a challenge in a couple of minutes into the game. Um, apart from that, nothing really happened until Troy Dini came on when he shoulder barged him. <laughs> um, that Lewin player, and he looked like he looked like he um, pooed his pants, didn't he? When he turned around, and saw it was Troy Dini. A little bit, yeah. Um, I, I think you, you've summed it up brilliantly there. You know, the first derby fixture in fourteen years, and typical, we're not able to go. Like, how many times in the cup? Since that last game, have we been like, please let let us get Luton in the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup? Yeah, and it's just not happened. And Cabaselli sort of alluded to it as well. He would sort of he said that he the players had hoped that we'd drawn Luton before this in uh, some of the cups, but it wasn't to be. And listen, we we're um, we we've got Luton in the league now, and the main thing was that we won, uh, and, and we did that. And yes, it wasn't the most you know. I, I don't know, the, the most sparkling of derbies, uh, I, I should say. But at the end of the day, uh, a win's a win. And it wasn't the prettiest of games, but it doesn't matter how you get it, especially in this league. It doesn't matter how you get the victory, as long as you get the victory. Um, I've seen a, a rather funny press conference after the game with Luton manager Nathan Jones. And he said it was the most lacklustrous derby ever. And that we were complaining. We wanted a yellow foul for every tackle. Basically, he was really bitter. I'll agree with him on one thing, though. It wasn't the most, you know, glorious of derbies. You know, you you, you look at derby games over the line, uh, like Birmingham Villa, uh, the Manchester derby, Newcastle Sunderland, and there's always that bit of fight in there. And like you says, Ben, up until maybe the the Chalabur putting the tackle in and then that Troy Deeney sort of incident at the end, it didn't really have those fireworks and it didn't really have the sort of... um, I don't know, the, the, the bite to it, I should say, um, like most derby games would, which is a little bit, you know, disappointing. But listen, half of that comes from the fans. If the fans yeah. are in there, I think we all know that that would have been very feisty. And uh, I'm, I'm sort of part glad the fans weren't in there because I think Luton would have talked a right back in. Um, with their, you know, form going into the game, it could have been a lot different proposition. But look, at the end of the day, we've won. Uh, we'll start at the beginning, as always. It, it was half 11. I think I was just about polished off a breakfast and a pint in Weatherspoons at this time. And the team news come out. Now, the big one for us, Ben, was, is Saar going to play and is Troy going to play? Um, and Saar did play and Troy was on the bench. So, the lineup was Foster and Gakia, Cabaselli, Cathcart, Wilmot. Semar, Chalabad, Ghana, Cleverly, Zal Pedro, and Saar. So, when you're looking at that lineup, what other than obviously Saar's play, but what is your main thought straight away? Are you happy with that lineup, or is there Omid and Arin, or is it okay? Saar's in there, it doesn't matter who else is there. What What are your thoughts when that lineup comes out at half 11? Well, I was feeling a bit groggy because I barely slept that night. I don't know if it was due to nerves of the game or the, the, my newborn daughter kept keeping me up all night. Um, so I barely slept. So I felt sick with nerves as well. And I was, I was really worrying coming into this game. Obviously, we, we picked up two wins going into uh, one win and a draw coming into the game, two clean sheets. Yeah. 
but like you like you touched upon, Luton had a really good form coming into this game, and I was really worried. I thought we needed a boost of Troy Dini and star in that match day squad to to try and get us over the line because I thought it was going to be a really tough game against Luton. But seeing um, Ismail Sarr starting and Troy Dini on the bench, I was absolutely buzzing. And the moment I saw them on that uh, match day um, lineup, I, I thought we we're okay. We'll 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 get there. Um, yeah, very confident. Um, I want to say as well. Uh, I don't know who did the the uh-huh. match day. I was going to bring this up. <laughs> the match day graphics on the Hive Live. Um, Glenn Murphy is a Watford player. Mm-hmm. Wears number seventeen shirt and Craig Wilmot as well. Craig Wilmot. <laughs> um, yeah. They they put it up about five minutes later and they did change it quickly. But yeah, I thought, oh, we've signed these new players that we've never heard of. Um, <laughs> right. Bit odd, wasn't it? But so yeah, um, other than that. I was pretty happy with the team. Um, you, Quinn are coming out and Garner coming in. Um, I think some people might have raised a few eyebrows thinking, oh, Quinn is coming out because we're all hyped about Quinn. But let's be frank, other than that Spurs pre-season game, he hasn't really done much in the league games. And I thought Garner, when he um, came on at Sheffield Wednesday, he, he did very well, um, hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And then Newport, he's probably the only positive out of that Newport um performance. Uh, I, I was quite happy that he came in. I thought he gave us a bit more balance in midfield as well. Yeah, the guy can take a corner as well, unlike yeah. Ken Semo who seems to struggle to beat his first man, but look, we, we, we won't get into that, I don't know. But yeah, listen, uh, I, I'm sure we speak on behalf of a lot of Watford fans. When that team sheet came out, we was like, oh my God, like Sars playing, Troy Deeney's on the bench, perfect. Um, I don't think we could have asked for a better lineup. I'm actually looking at the lineup and I'm thinking, is there anyone I probably would have changed? And I'm sort of looking at it and I'm thinking, no, definitely not. Um, so I think it was the right lineup. Um, the game sort of started, it, it was almost as if there, there, there were definite nerves there from a few Watford players, but it, it wasn't the liveliest of starts between the two teams. But um, I'll tell you what, give me a fright is the fact that they hit the bar right before we scored. Oh, my, <laughs> my heart was in my mouth when that happened. Uh, it, it was sloppy play as well. I think we lost it in defence and they, they attacked that quickly. And the, yeah, Cabaselli again. It's the lack of mm. concentration with Cabaselli. Like, one-to-one defender is absolutely brilliant and you, you can't blame yeah. his defending, but his concentration levels and his... Uh, distribution on the ball is pretty poor um, and it could have cost us yesterday if that went in I think we might have struggled to get back into the game we was on top of it um, before they had that chance and um, but you can't keep making little mistakes like that from Cavaselli. he's going he's going to get caught out sooner or later and it's going to punish the Watford team and like you've said before on previous podcasts he's got a mistake in him yeah absolutely yes. he, he, he has and he does worry me and unfortunately if you know, rumours are true and truth to a Kung does come in. I see only one player that he's taking the spot of and that's Christian Cabaselli. Yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate because, like you've said, one-on-one defender, brilliant, you know, back him every day. But as a sort of an all-round defender, he's got too many mistakes in him and he's a bit of a liability. So, you know, it's almost as if he's got a mistake a game. And luckily, that didn't come back to bite us on the, the, the proverbial but. Yeah, um, very heart in mouth moment. But I think you, what you've said is before that we were we were sort of dominating the procedures, and we we sort of 
saw glimpses of what this Ibich team can do. Yeah. Like we've we've banged on about before how we can't really judge the team until the transfer window is closed, which I still stand by that and I'm sure you do. But you can sort of tell that although Ibich might not have his squad that he wants at his peril at the moment, he's sort of working with what he's got and you can see that the type of football that he wants to play, you can see that sort of working with the team that he's got at the moment. Um, I know we don't score a lot of goals. We've only scored two in, in three, or, or albeit listen, we're only three games in, but we still haven't conceded. So, you know, if this is a team that Ivic, like still wants to make improvements on, and at the moment this team hasn't conceded, then bloody hell, I'm really excited for what we've got lined up. Um, but yeah, no, that, that James Collins moment. And, and usually, I... I, I don't like admitting this because he's a Luton player, but usually you, you'd put your house in uh, James Collins to score, especially from that distance. Um, but listen, it didn't go in. That's the main thing. Uh, I, anyone that was watching on Hive Live, uh, I don't know if people realise, but they were showing the replay of that hitting the crossbar and then it flashed back to the play and the next thing you know, we'd scored. Uh, but yeah. Ben, I think it was you that called it on, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, on our Facebook. You said, how good would it be if João Pedro scored on his birthday? And what does he go and do? Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it'd be nice. I put out a uh, happy birthday wish to João Pedro. Sorry, mm. I didn't send him a birthday cake or anything. But I'd like to <laughs> think I, I kind of helped this um, performance and win yesterday. I, I said to him it would be lovely if he could get the winning goal and become a club legend um, and put himself yeah. in a history book. And so what did he do? He listened to me and he did exactly that. So, yeah, thank you very much. Good night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think we, we could end the podcast there if we really wanted to. Yeah, no, uh, brilliant, but, brilliant performance yeah. from Joe Pedro yesterday. He's a, he's a live wire, isn't he? He, he, he gives defences a lot of problems. And it, it was exciting to see him up top with Ismail Saar. I think, thought they, they linked up really well. And I, I don't think many defences are going to like coming up against those two this season. But for the goal itself, um, Ken Semmer, absolutely brilliant yesterday. Win, winning the ball um, in the loot and half, driving at the defence, getting a low crossing into the box and there was Joe Pedro in a six-yard box. Just before that, I think there was a ball across the box and we didn't have a striker in a six-yard box. So it was refreshing to see that Joe Pedro, he kind of learnt from that over the mistake in the first, like five minutes later, he got in the right position this time, centre a goal. He it got, took a nick before it went in, but it doesn't matter how it went in. He's, he's, he's 19 years of age and he's just got his first goal in English football. So over the moon for Joe Pedro. Yeah, yeah. As, as soon as that went in, um, I thought that will do his confidence a world of good. Doesn't matter, like you said, if it took a nick or if it took a million deflections. The fact that he's got his first goal and on his birthday as well, like the the fact that he's got his first goal will will mean an awful lot yeah. and will help his confidence. Like you wouldn't believe. There's no better birthday um, present than that, is it? Scoring in absolutely scoring a winner in the local derby as well, and for 19 years yeah. of age as well. He looks like it. I'm really enjoying watching him play at the moment. We're watching him developing. Yeah. When he came, he was a young boy. He's developing into a strong man now, isn't he? Like he's he's holding off defenders like quite a lot bigger than him as well. And he, he's not faced by the challenge. I'm really enjoying seeing Joe Pedro in a Watford shirt. Yeah, and Lisa, I don't want to slag off Troy Deeney by any stretch of the imagination, but it's nice to see a striker that actually gets about the pitch. Yeah, like. I think at one stage in the first half or the second half, Joe Pedro was in his own half 
And he, he was sort of coming back to do the defending and then picking the ball up from deep and then going with it from there. Like, we haven't seen Troy, De- Troy Deeney do that since we were probably last in the Championship. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to see that. But it would have done his, you know, uh, confidence a world of good. The only, if I was to nitpick, the only thing I would say is there's a lot of times where we used Ngakia, who, by the way, was absolutely superb yesterday. But the only the the only thing was, we would use him and he would cut it across, but João Pedro wouldn't be there to sort of take the tap in. Yeah. So you know he's not a poacher as such. You know you you get these strikers whereby they're sort of sitting in and around the edge of the box or they're sitting in the six yard box waiting to sort of pounce on any any sort of fumble that might come up here, but. We we sort of we're not getting that from João Pedro, and I think it's purely because of the style of striker that he is. But I think he will learn as games go on. Listen, we're only three games in at the end of the day, but I think you know, all round striker, it's brilliant to see him play. But just want to quickly touch on that and Gakia and Ken Semmer going forward, like seeing the way that Ibich wants to play, how pivotal are they at the moment? But it looks like it's the way Ivic wants to play, isn't it? He's slowly getting his ideas across to the squad and they're, they're taking in his ideas and giving 100%. Um, I think we're only starting to see it uh, flourish more now there's been a bit more games uh, being played. Um, it, players coming back from injury as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, it looks exciting to have a lot of wide play at the moment. But how good is it that we've got a right back that bombs down the right, whips in a decent cross and he gets back and defends quickly as well. It's mad to think that we've picked um, Ngakia up for free transfer. Um, he's, yeah. he's really hit the ground running since the start of the season. It's just been incredible. He's not put a foot run. I think out of three games so far, you'd easily say that he's been by far Watford's most important player, probably. I would say so, yeah. Um, going forward, definitely, because, you know, he, he, he fills that sort of wing-back role really, really well. Uh, another player who I think would be worth mentioning is um, Tom Cleverley. You know, firstly, he's been given the armbands, which I think it would have probably been between him and Ben Foster because of the experience. But he's sort of fulfilled that role brilliant, and he was absolutely superb yesterday as well. Yeah, Cleverly was incredible. He was absolutely everywhere. I thought he set the tone for the, the match and for everyone. He was he was a proper captain's performance and leading by example. And I think he's flourishing by having a captain's armband. It's good to see him um, play like this because he he was in and out the side last season. But I think you can kind of build a team around him in that midfield. And it, yeah, absolutely incredible. He, he's he's played well since the start of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, the midfield hasn't been great in the first two games, but I think with like I said at the start of, of the podcast, with the induction of Ghana. Uh, I, I see there's a bit more balance and with Ghana sitting in with uh, Chalabar, who I must say Chalabar was very good yesterday. It was a shame he picked up yeah. that injury um, towards the end. But uh, Tom Delibashu came on. He, he slotted straight yeah. in as well. Um, so we have got those yeah. options. But yeah, had a lot of balance to the side yesterday. And I think that's only going to make Cleverly better. You, you can kind of see he, he was further up the pitch. He, he was closing everyone down. We haven't really seen Cleverly in this role since maybe when we had Marco Silva and he was pushing that high up. And he, yeah. he's doing very well at this uh, the new position that he's playing in. No, I, I completely agree. I'm glad you mentioned Deli Bashiru because he came in and he was superb. He was creating chances straight away. I think he had a shot saved as well. Yes. From memory in the second half. But he come in 
And considering he's just been out injured, I thought he slotted in as if, you know, as, it's almost as if he'd played every game so far. Uh, I thought he was absolutely superb. And another player that we can look at in terms of we've got another young player coming through the ranks. You know, we, we've talked about Quinner probably not being as good as people thought he was going to be or as good as we hoped him up to be. But Tom Deli Bashir is sort of coming under the radar and he's been, you know, he, he was brilliant yesterday. So uh, hats off to him. Listen, I, I think we could literally go through every player and say how good they were. I, I genuinely think, because a key stat is Luton didn't get a shot on target. That is the main thing. That's it. And that is because of the, the sort of all-togetherness. Like Ben Foster, I, I you know, there, there was rumours of him leaving. I, I don't know what difference he would have made. I don't think he's had, other than probably the Osama Longa shot, uh, the free kicker against Middles for the first game of the season, I don't think he's had an awful lot to do, to be honest, Ben. I was going to say exactly the same. Apart from a somber longer free kick from outside the box, uh, I think that's the only shot on target that we've actually conceded. So mm. the way we've, we're set up at the moment, the shape of our defence, the shape of our midfield, they, we are not giving away chances for the opposition to create. The only yeah. decent chance out of these three games is that that header that came off the bar uh, yesterday. And if we can keep yes. on limiting um, the opposition to only chances like that, I think we'll do very well this season. Um, if, if you keep the goals out at the back and nick one goal at the other end, we're going to do just fine. But I'm really enjoying watching this team evolve. At the start of the season, we had, we've touched upon, we've had such a depleted squad and we, we felt so sorry for Ivic. Um, coming in and having these players that he can't play because they want to move elsewhere or the, the massive injury list that we've got. But yesterday, I, I, I was happy for him to see that he, he had Saar back, Saar who wants to play for this club unless there's a, an offer comes in and then he'll move on. But until then, he, he's going to give absolutely everything for the cause. And that's the kind of players that he wants. And I thought he added to our attack yesterday, so and it, oh, it, it, it and it helped Ivic's style of play. I think because before that, I don't think we've had much going forward. We've had Jal Pedro and a big man of Glenn Murray up front, and it didn't really. It's it's not the same, is it? We needed to stretch defenders, and we had exactly that we saw yesterday. He was clipping the ball around the defenders and getting taken down and. It was just brilliant to watch, and that's what we wanted. We need to stretch the defence, and that's why I think Andre Gray could play a massive part for us this season um, with his pace as well. Um, I think it's yeah. just going to fit right into our style of play. No, and listen, the reason I laugh then is obviously we, I sort of had my fair share about my thoughts on Andre Gray last season, but I will hold my hands up and I will say I do think he'll fit into Ivic's style of play. Yeah, definitely. So you wouldn't believe. Um, and Andre well, Gray is one of those players, like we said about Joe Pedro. He's, he's learning still. He, he needs to learn when yeah. to get into that six-yard box at the right time. And that Andre Gray will be in that six-yard box, whether, yeah. whether he gets it on target or not, it's a different thing. But he'll be in that six-yard box. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Uh, I, I think another thing as well. I want to go back on something that Neil Warnock actually said. Uh, we, we're talking about the style of players that we'll need. Uh, how we're starting to see Ivic's style of football come into play. But listen, and Sonny, you said, you know, if we can keep it tight at the back and not concede, and, you know, if we can just nick the odd goal here or there, Neil Warnock actually said at the start of the season, look, Watford didn't play very well, but the teams that usually go up are the teams that just about scrape victory and don't play very well. Yeah. I think that's absolutely spot on for this league. Uh, and not just this league, like you look at Leicester, for example, when they won the Premier League, 
I think I, I remember they had a fair few victories where they literally scraped by. I think they beat us 1-0 uh, at Vicarage Road and it wasn't the prettiest of games, but they, they won 1-0. And listen, we know that the Championship's going to be tough because of the schedule Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. But, you know, we can't be expected to play this style of football every week and especially not at the moment because he doesn't have the players in, uh, the, the players that he needs in. So, I, I think we, we need to be patient. I I didn't see anyone yesterday moan about it. And I think that's only because it was Luton. I think had it been a different game, I think we would have had people that would have moaned about how we were playing. And, you know, it was a little bit flat at times. But listen, we, we, we just need to be patient with Ivic on this one. He's, he's working his magic with the squad he's got at the moment. And if he can do it with the squad he's got at the moment then, my God, we're in for a treat when he's got the squad that he wants because he's been very clear that he wants players in. And, you know, I'm sure he'll put his say across as to who he wants in as well. So, yeah, yeah um, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see who could come in. Um, so, but yeah, the, the, the main thing is, Ben, we beat Luton. Uh, <laughs> there, there, was a, there was a lot of things on social media. I, I, I actually tried to keep up it in the lead-up to it because... Well, uh, we we I had a few a tweet yeah out. we had a few yeah. mentions in our Twitter uh, page didn't we and we I did. think you mentioned me saying don't bite to any just let them go yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah we put up a, a picture of the sad sight of the Graham Taylor statue being boarded up yeah. and um, Luton fans were all over that um, just laughing and yeah it's just. <laughs> It's such a sad thought that we had to come to that. Um, I know people are saying we was over the top, but I'd rather be over the top and protect that statue. If if, if anything happened to that, it would have been a very sad you know, day to see. Yeah. Do you know who I think sums that up perfectly was Jacob, Jacob Coulshaw. He said he'd rather people moan about us boarding up the statue yeah. than people moan about it being vandalised. And I'm completely with Jacob on that. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, Yes, it might have been OTT to some fans. I don't know if there was any trouble, no. um, but I'd rather take the risk and board it up and it not be vandalised at all. Yeah, you, know, you, you never know, do you? There's a small, exactly. there's a small minority of fans that would have probably kicked off if if the game was not with coronavirus in the background and fans were able to attend, there would have been a small, oh, it would have. small minority of both sets of fans because all, all fans, all football teams have got that small minority of fans that want to kick off and fight each other, don't they? But 95% yeah. of the fans are just like you and me. We just want to go. We go with our family. We go with our, our partners and our young kids and we just want to go watch a game of football and support our team. Yes, we, we're going to love it when we beat our rivals and we want absolutely everything to go against them. We want to see them get relegated. We want to see them get tonked and everything. But we just want to go there and see our team beat our rivals. We don't want any trouble or anything like that. But there's a small minority of fans that would have gone there and wanted to kick off. So I'm kind of a, a little bit happy that it was behind closed doors as well and that we did board up the Graham Taylor statue because we wouldn't have wanted anything to happen to that. The, st- the statue's only been up for a few years and if anything happened to yeah. that we would have absolutely hated that so hats off to Watford for uh, boarding that up It's common sense at the end of the day and I think you know another thing as well you say uh, obviously if the game was on and it wasn't we weren't in the middle of a pandemic it, it would have kicked off I completely agree 
another scenario I think where it would have kicked off is, and a reason that we were, why we weren't on TV is if it was on TV, yeah. it would have kicked off because the pubs would have been showing it, people would have come down, people would have been in Watford High Street watching it, walkabout. Uh, you know, wherever else, Bosley's, I think they show the football, you know, if that game was on TV. At, at the time, when it was announced that it was Wickham Swansea on instead of us, I sort of laughed, I'm yeah. not going to lie. But then when you look at the bigger picture, you think, okay, that makes sense as to why it's not on TV. Uh, and, you know, you know, you, you pay £10 to the club, you, you watch the game. And I thought it was brilliant. As always, yesterday, Emma Saunders, Tommy Mooney, uh, Andre Gray as well, you know. Obviously, they were going to get him there with him being an ex-scummer as well. Paul Robinson. Um, Paul Robinson, yeah. Paul Robinson, what a legend, by the way. Um, but it's going to be interesting, just while we're on the note of Hive Live, they said there's going to be an exclusive announcement next week for the Reading game, which is going to be interesting to see what that is. Um, if it's anything to do with Hive Live, I'll be a little bit miffed because um, I'd, I'd, I'd rather it be like a signing on like a five-year deal. Do or you reckon but... they're finally going to say goodbye to Adrian Mariapa? <laughs> Because oh, well. he's still yeah, they've not said, they've it, not said exactly. He's, they've still not said anything about his departure. Do you reckon next they week? Next week exactly. they're going to be like, uh, "It's been a tough transfer window. We've just offered Adrian Mariapa a one-year contract." <laughs> God, do you know what? No, I wouldn't put it past him. At the moment. <laughs> I would not put it past him at the moment. But no, listen. But before we get too off topic, uh, uh, all day, like, and all all rounds, the day yesterday was brilliant. Like, you know, it. it it's hard enough being the early kickoff because you, you're not playing along with every everybody else. But no, it, early kickoff against the rivals, yeah, it wasn't the prettiest game, but you win one nil. Like all day today, I've had people come up to me like I've worn my Watford jumper, you know, proud and whatnot. Uh, I'd wear it if we lose anyway. But um, you know, I've had people say, "Oh, it was a good win for you yesterday." I'm like, "Yeah, it wasn't the most convincing, but..." At the end of the day, a wins a win in that league. Yeah, we we've still not conceded, which is a blessing in disguise. We've got seven points from three games, uh, and we're going into a tough Reading fixture with the wind in our sails. I think I, I, I really do think we we're going into that one. Probably, I'd rather go into that off the back of a win than a draw. I know it might sound obvious, but the way Reading are playing at the moment, you know, they're, they're flying at the moment. So. That was the main thing that we got to win, Ben, and I'm really, really happy. But um, I think the the thing that we sort of want to move on to is we've hinted and talked about possible incomings and outgoings, um, an outgoing that might be happening. And Ben, you've done a little bit more digging on this than I have because I've been a busy, busy boy today. But it looks like Luis Suarez is actually off to Granada. What 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 have you found out for us, Ben? Um, only from what I've seen on Twitter and people retweeting and liking it. So, um, seems that Luis Suarez is actually over in Spain. He's been pictured outside a coffee shop in Granada with his partner. Um, so, and it looks like he's possibly going over there for a season-long loan. Um, and to be fair, we've we've said from the off, we'll be really excited to see Luis Suarez in a Watford shirt and think he would do brilliant. Yeah in the championship but at the moment and like Ivic has said we want players at the club that want to play for the shirt it looks yeah. like Luis Suarez has no intention to play in the championship so if that's if that's the case let him go and we'll play with the players that we've got left at the club yeah yeah no completely agree and you know if it's if it's one of these loans where it's not obligation to buy after yes it's a little bit annoying that he doesn't want to play in the championship but worst case scenario if we do go up 
and we've got him back next season and let's see what he can do in the Premier League. You don't know yet. But, yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit annoying. Um, it looks as if, as well, he will be joined in Spain by no other than Kiko Femenia because it looks like he could be going to Getafe to join forces with Chucho Hernandez, who's there at the moment, and ex-Watford player Alan Neon, who, by the way, was playing at right wing last week. Um, not quite sure how he's blagged his way to right wing, but hey-ho. <laughs> um, yeah, he was he was awful. And then that incident when he was a West Brom player and they beat us. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, less said the better, I think. Um, but I think another one, which is an obvious one, we've spoke about it many a times on the podcast. It looks as if we've found a suitable place for Roberto Pereira to uh, to be off to. It looks like he's going to Udinese, Ben. There was only going to be one place he was going to end up and that was of going course. to be back at Udinese, wasn't it? And I can see that going through in the next day or two. And I'll probably see that William Truce econ coming in the opposite direction. I think the only reason why there's been a bit of delay in getting William Truce econ over is that uh, mm. Udinese have had a few injuries. Um, as we're recording at the moment, they're playing and he's on the bench. Um, they're, waiting oh, okay. to, they're waiting for a signing to be announced as well in the next 24, 48 hours as well. So I imagine once that's happened, it, mm-hmm. it'll get the ball rolling and we could see him in a Watford shirt. But it's interesting to know that the international transfer window closes on the 5th of October, which is next yeah. Monday. So if there's any transfers to be happening from overseas clubs, it needs to happen by the 5th of October. Like Domestically-wise, like transfers between English clubs, the window closes on the 12th of October. So we could see a bit of an extended window for us maybe pushing on players to maybe the Premier League or something then but if Pereira wanted to go to Udinese we've only got till Monday the 5th of October to get that done Yeah yeah and listen like you said he, he showed desire that he wanted to go back to Italy for the Pozzos this worked out brilliantly the only thing I would say is does that mean we don't get any money for him? Well which is a bit of annoying all, all the transfers between Watford and Indonesia is a really a transfer fee that's going over. That well, this is what I mean. It, it's the same clubs, pretty much, isn't it? They own both clubs. It's pretty much a free transfer. Um, backwards well, and forwards. The, um, it's funny you say that because the new sporting director, the director of football, sorry, um, said in an interview, Watford and Indonesia are the same club. Yeah. Uh, I think he was referring to maybe the true Stakung story, but I'm not sure. But he said, what for the news, he, he, his literal words were, Watford and Udinese are the same club. Yeah. Uh, and I think every what football fan pretty much knows that, mainly because we get a load of stick for it, but they're just jealous. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's back off to there. And again, Ben, you know, you've mentioned the international window closes on the 5th of October. So really, if we're going to get our business done, it needs to be this week coming up. And then we've got a little bit longer till the domestic transfer. So that's from uh, English clubs to English clubs. Uh, we've got the 12th of October, which is a week after. But really, we need to start getting some transfers in. And the only player that's really been linked with us, and it, this shows that we, we're sort of desperate for this sort of position, is the Sheffield Wednesday defender, Dominic Oyorfa. He was at Wolves. So, you know, he played against us um, the other week. Obviously, he kept the clean sheet, as did we. And um, I, I could see him fitting in, to be honest, Ben. You know, he, he had a good few years at Wolves and he's obviously done well at Sheffield Wednesday. But he seems to be the only player that's really linked with a move. 
two offs at the moment. Yeah. It's a bit quiet, isn't it? I can only see him coming in if there's outgoings. There's still talk of Craig yeah. Dawson moving on. I think Burnley are keeping an eye close on him. And like you said in the last podcast, it all depends on Toroski possibly moving on to well, Leicester or West Ham. Both they've had interest. a bid accepted oh, now. Oh, Leicester have had a bid accepted for thirty million. So I read the other day. Okay. Um, I saw it on Twitter. Um, and yeah, thirty million. So possibly he could be out. But I think the pot show stunts all along has sort of been. If there's going to be incomings, there needs to be outgoings. Yeah. Because we're not in the Premier League anymore. We're not getting these gate receipts. We're not getting the TV money we did. Like, we need... Uh, yes, the Pozzo's, you know, they. it's not as if they've, they haven't got a sort of two pennies to rub together sort of thing. But at the end of the day, they need to be sort of savvy with their business at the same time. So we understand that. And if Pereira does go, then it brings um, a void for another player to come in. Uh, if Dawson goes, it you know again frees up a space for somebody else to come in. So as you've said, Ben, you know it, it, I think it depends a lot on who actually leaves. Um, it's all about balancing the books as well. We 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 can't spend money yeah. before we can uh, let people go. Um, you can't do that, especially in a pandemic as well. Um, our revenue's yeah. been cut down massively by dropping out of the Premier League. So we need to get these players off our wage bill first before we can even get people in. But the signs are good at the moment. The players are performing. Um, we might not need too many um, new additions to come in. James Garner's hit the ground running. It has been a great Absolutely. signing. But yeah, be interesting. I think it's going to be a very busy uh, week next week um, because the international window closes on the 5th of October. So I think it's going to be a lot, very busy. I think we could see a lot of outgoings. There's still talk of Delafeu possibly moving on to Napoli. So they've only got till next Monday. You've got Pereira linked with um, Undanese. The, the Turkish teams keep coming in and being rumoured with like a move for Danny Welbeck as well. So be interesting to see who's actually here after next Monday. Yeah. And I think that's when we can really start judging players. Um, and sort of the squad as a whole so he's going to be very very interesting but just quickly before we do finish the part uh, I mentioned earlier to trip up next to are they the only unbeaten team no in the they're the not they're now? second um, they were it... uh, Bristol City won 2-0 today at home to Sheffield so Wednesday so there's two um, teams at the top of the championship with a 100% record it'll be Reading and Bristol City Yes, we're um, we, we're Reading, um, Reading at the Medeski Stadium, which, to be fair, is usually a pretty happy stomping ground for Watford. Um, you know, we, we've we've picked up some good results there over the years. The most notable one, uh, I think, two stick out in my mind is when we were in the Premier League six oh seven. Danny Shitu scored, uh, and it looked like he was miles offside because Reading tried to be clever and play a high line, but it just completely went wrong for him. Uh, and the other one that sticks out in my mind is when we were 10 men down and Alman Abdi scored. I was going to mention um, that. I went to that game. Yeah. Bitterly cold day as well. Um, yeah, oh. we didn't really turn up that game. I think we had a um, red card maybe quite early on. And I think it was, was Angela, wasn't it? Yeah. From memory. And we were just sitting deep and we finally managed to get into the red in half and yeah, <laughs> typical Alman Abdi just finding that bottom corner and Oh, the scenes in that away end as well. But yeah, we've, we've had fond memories at um, Reading. I think our most recent victory was beating them in the Carabao Cup uh, when Quinner had a 40-yard screamer um, in the top corner. Uh, so yeah, we've got a good record at Medeski Stadium. We, we we do indeed. And, you know, me and Ben have uh, we've kept up the tradition of 
speaking to a fan of the opposition and we, we, we try and get podcasts or fan pages of oppositions just to, to keep it within, you know, the, the podcast community, if you like. And we, we spoke to Alex from the Elm Park Royals podcast and uh, this is what he had to say. We're, uh, we're here with Alex from the Elm Park Royals podcast. First of all, Alex, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, no worries, guys. Good to speak to you. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll start at the, uh, with, with the fantastic start of the season that you're having so far. You've, you, you're top of the league at the moment. It's only you and Bristol City that have won all three games so far. So you're actually coming into our game off the back of a 2-1 win away at Cardiff. And obviously, it's maintained your 100% record. How, and this might sound like a stupid question, but how did you perform? Was it a convincing 2-1 win? Was it a scrappy 2-1 win, we'll take it? Or how did you guys actually fare in that game? Uh, despite what Neil Harris would say, um, I thought we played pretty well in from open play. Um, we opened the scoring from a, from a free kick. We, uh, and then got a goal, a second goal came in the 75th minute or so. Um, and after that, I mean, Cardiff kind of pressed on, but never really looked like they were going to get back into the game. I mean, even once they scored their first goal, um, it never really felt like they were going to they were going to equalise particularly, which is a big change from what we've seen over the last few years with Reading. Um, the previous two games, we, I mean, Barnsley was a bit more of a scrap. Our, our home game, we won 2-0 um, and Barnsley ended up with nine men. So that was kind of it was probably a little bit more fortunate. Um, they, they were much more, I guess, organised against us than, than Cardiff looked. And the game against Derby, yeah, we looked fantastic. So overall, it's been a very good start to the season. It, it's quite unexpected, really, that we've picked up so many points after what seemed to be quite a like, chaotic uh, pre-season. But what has been like the main difference from last season where you finished 14th and to this um, incredible start you've had this season? You've said that it's been a bit too, it's been scrappy in some games. Is the, the new manager getting his style of play across um, and that's where you're uh, improving? Um, so I'd say that there's probably two main areas where they've improved a lot since last season. There seems to be a lot more in the way of team spirit. Our, our squad was extremely bloated last year. We had a lot of players who had been here a long time and didn't really need to be around uh, the squad any longer. Uh, the, the new manager has kind of come in and basically said everybody's got a fresh start with him as well. So anybody who's still at the club, and I mean, he's run that all the way down to like the under-18s. So there's a number of under-18s who are kind of training with the first team now. I think it's given the squad a bit of a rejuvenation in, in that sense, and there seems to be a, a definite kind of like bonding uh, growing there with, with various members of the squad, which is good. Um, in terms of the way of playing, we are playing, yeah, I guess a certain style, but it doesn't seem to be kind of like too rigid. We, we've scored kind of goals on the floor. We've, we've had a couple of like, you know, route one direct goals, as it were. We've had a set beat goal, I think, in all three games now. Um, so there's the, yeah, there's, it's kind of varied in terms of the style of football. It doesn't seem to be too rigid, uh, which is good. And then we seem to have settled on a, I guess we seem to have settled on a fairly kind of first choice 11 um, injuries pending, unfortunately. 
but we seem to have settled on a, a relatively strong first choice 11, um, which is kind of clicking clicking well with all the players knowing exactly what their, their job roles are, uh, which is definitely a, a difference compared to what we saw last season when we were struggling to, I guess, struggling to give certain players roles which really highlighted their skills. You, you, you mentioned, it's quite interesting actually, because we, we've sort of been in a bit of a similar position where by... You said you had quite a bloated squad, so there's maybe some deadwood that you had to get rid of. So it's sort of clear how you've been in terms of outgoings. But in terms of incomings, how has your transfer window been so far? And do you have, mate, do you actually have any more transfer targets that you you're pursuing at the moment, or is your transfer sort of business done now? So so far we bought in uh, two players, uh, which we didn't have last season. We, we bought in Josh Lawrence from Shrewsbury on a free, uh, who started every game in, in the centre midfield. And it looks to be a really good pickup for us and has formed a good partnership straight away with, with Rinomota, kind of in the base of a 4-2-3-1 pivot. Um, we've got Lewis Gibson, who's just coming on centre-back, uh, just coming on centre, just coming on, on loan from Everton. Um, as a backup centre-back, he played at Fleetwood for the second half of last year and by all accounts had a relatively good spell there um, and apparently is quite highly rated by, by Ancelotti as well. We signed Ajaria on a permanent deal for three and a half million, which was kind of an agreed fee with Liverpool from not this summer, just gone, but last summer. Um, so that, that seems to be a relatively good buy in terms of, you know, that, that value is probably only going to go up. Um, in terms of future signings for this window, we've been pretty strongly linked with uh, Raquel May, who's at Atletico Madrid, um, coming in on loan. He's been in Reading and he's been training with Reading for what feels like about three months, but has probably only been about two weeks. Um, and the deal is apparently almost done, but it's been almost done for about that long as well. So he's a right winger. Hopefully we can bring him in because we're really lacking in kind of wide areas in terms of any depth or any real kind of, I guess, first team talent. Um, we're, we're kind of making do at the minute in terms of wide areas going forwards. Um, and then we were also, we're lacking a little bit of depth at, at fullback as well. We, we have um, Andy Eardon playing at right back and, and he's gone there. Well, he's injured at the minute and will be out for at least two months. Uh, we've been playing a central midfield player there at right back for the past two matches, but he went down injured yesterday as well. And we've been linked with uh, Perry NG from Crew, who, uh, by from what I've heard and what I've read, is an extremely competent and good right back, and was one of the kind of players of the season for Crew last year when they when they won the league in League Two. So there's definitely some kind of deals still to be done for Reading. Whether any are done before Saturday is going to be, I guess, really it's going to be down to whether they can kind of just push them over the line. It's, it, it's tough to say whether we're going to have them in, and even if they'll kind of be involved if they, are, if they have been signed by that point. Um, so there's, there's definitely some work to be done still in the transfer window, but how much of it will, will be able to get done before the weekend is, is another matter. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you can get a couple of those players that you've mentioned over a line in time to face um, us at the weekend. Um, how, how do you reckon you'll get on this weekend against Watford? Uh, so, I mean, as I said, the, the start was quite unexpected in terms of the fact that we've won these first three. So, 
I mean, personally, I kind of see Watford as a little bit of a free hit. If we if we can pick up a point, or if we can pick up at least a point against Watford, and we've got ten points from our opening four, it's um, it's going to be a really really good start to the season. Um, I, I mean, from what I've seen of of the Watford game so far, um, they're very low scoring, look very good defensively, so. I don't think it's going to be a particularly high-scoring game. I can imagine that it's probably going to be fairly similar to, to the other games that you guys have had so far. Um, and it might be settled by like one piece of skill or one set piece or, or something like that. Um, I don't want to stick my neck out on the line and, and predict we're going to win 2-0 or anything particularly. Um, but I, I could see it being a one-all draw potentially. I don't think either team are going to give up too many chances and it's going to take going to take something special from either team to kind of like pull away. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a, a, a close game, like you says. From your point of view, you, you're sort of looking at it as a, a free hit. You know, ten points from the first four games. I think Ben, I think you actually pointed out to me before we recorded this that I think hasn't it taken you guys usually double figures in terms of games to win the first three games. Yeah, so uh, last, the last three seasons it's taken us, I think it's 11, 12 and 13 matches to get three wins on the board. Um, and it's our best start for 35 years in terms of the first three matches. So it, oh. it's definitely a like difference in terms of where we've been for the last couple of years. Um, yeah. And I mean, even in the season when we got to uh, the playoff final with, with Yapstam, mm-hmm. I mean, in that season, we we won our first game, and then we ended up going on to lose the next two. So, really, we we aren't a team which is used to good starts. Um, so it's kind of a it's a bit out of the norm for us. <laughs> yeah, um, and we'll uh, we'll we'll finish up as as we always do with fans on this podcast. Um, we want your three who you believe are going to go up. Uh, and then the three to go down, if you can start with the three to go up, please. Uh, the three to go up currently, I will go for... Uh, this is difficult because we're only three games in, but um, I will go with I'll go for Watford to win the league, which is going to go down really well, hopefully. Yeah, uh, yeah you can come you back can come on. on again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to Watford to win the league. Um, I'm re- I've been really impressed with Blackburn so far. Yeah. Um, although they've only played Derby and they've only beaten Derby Wick. And so, I, I mean, I, okay, I'll go Watford to win the league. I think Swansea will come second. And I'm just going to jinx us and say Reading are going to go off in the playoffs. <laughs> well, never say never, Aaron. You know, you've started off really no, well. You so. never know. I mean, yeah. it's got to happen at some point. We've, we've been to the playoffs, like, I think it's seven times or seven or eight times and never, never won it. So, it's got to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And three to go down? Uh, this one's much easier. Wickham, Sheffield Wednesday. And then I think I'll go Barnsley. Okay. We, we played them last week and they just can't, they just don't have any clinical edge up front. Um, I can't imagine that they're going to score enough goals. Yeah, I'm surprised with Barnsley. They, they finished the season quite well last season and ended on a high by getting that result at um, Griffin Park. So I thought they would have like hit the ground running a bit more this season, but they look like they've really struggled. They, yeah. they're, they're very organised. From what we played when we played them last week, they're very very organised. But they, I mean, they really they created one chance against us, which was a header from 12 yards or so. 
Um, but they don't. They didn't really look like they were going to create a, a great amount of chances. And I can imagine they're going to look very good in between the two penalty areas and then really struggle kind of to score enough goals and to keep enough out of the back as well. Um, and then, I mean, Wickham, Wickham is a fairly obvious one. I can't imagine that, I can't imagine Wickham will get more than 25 points. They look completely out of their depth. Um, and Sheffield Wednesday, I think, are going to struggle to just get over that kind of minus minus 12 point gap. I know they, they lost a, they lost their first game today. So, I, yeah, just don't see them kind of picking up enough points to keep up. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that about Barnsley, considering, you know, we were linked with uh, Gerard Struber as manager before Ivic come in. But, um, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely brilliant. You know, thank you very much for coming on, Alex. And hopefully, um, you know, the we'll, let's say for for argument's sake, we'll draw. And then we'll we'll, we'll both be happy at that. Uh, yeah, I'm well, sure we'll both take If we draw and, and Reading win the playoffs and you guys win the league, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's yeah, okay. I'm absolutely fine with that as well, Ben. I'm sure you <laughs> we'll are. We'll shake hands yeah. on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, the link to Alex's podcast, which is a part of the Elm Park Royals, will be in our bio. Uh, so make sure you go and check them out as well. But yeah, no, Alex, really do appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate that. Nice one, thank you guys. So yeah, that was uh, that was Alex from Elm Park Royals, and you know it's it's definitely going to be an interesting game. Then I, I think we can say that you know a, a team like Reading, we we didn't quite expect them to start like this, especially after last season, and obviously we're doing well. So this could actually be, albeit only four games in, this could actually be quite a corker and. You know, be be sort of like a promotion chasing game at, at the end of the day. It's going to be a difficult game. Um, yeah, 100%. both both teams are in transitions. Um, they've got a new manager as well, who's also Serbian. So it's two Serbian managers oh, that are coming yeah. up against each other. So it's going to be a very tough game. Um, it's top of the table clash. Some people are saying as well. I think it's a bit too yeah. early to say yeah, that. Don't, don't look yeah. at the, don't look at the the, um, the table until maybe November time, and then you might start seeing teams that are at the top of the table, and they might stay up there. So, I think after this Reading game, though, it's the international break as well. So it would be a it massive is. boost of confidence if we can go to Reading and pick up a, um, a victory and bring home three points. It would be absolutely huge, you know, as you've just said international break you never want to go into an international break on the back of a loss um, and I would be slightly you know down and say I'd take a draw but really we need to be winning so yeah um, but yeah listen guys it's, it's been amazing as per to speak to you guys uh, even better coming off the back of a, vi- a victory against Luton, our arch rivals, after 14 years. I cannot believe it's been 14 years. Like, I was 11 last time I went to that game. I'm now 25. Oh, um, quickly, Joe Pedro was four years of age. Wow. Four years of age when we last played last, last Luton. Played, last time we played Luton, Joe Pedro was four years old back in so Brazil. That's, <laughs> that's made me feel even older. So <laughs> thanks for that, Ben. Uh, but yeah, no, Joe Pedro was a winner against Luton. And, um, yeah, the, the Hornets are, are sitting pretty at, at the moment towards the top end of the table. But, listen, it's only three games gone. But, yeah, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking and talking about another Watford victory. And hopefully, we will, we'll be, we will be back next time after a victory against Reading or, worst case scenario, a draw. But, yeah, hopefully we'll be speaking about Reading. 
um, uh, winning against Reading. So we will see. But as always, from me and Ben, thank you very, very much for tuning in. We really hope you enjoy it. Let your friends know. Make sure you like, uh, follow us on all social media platforms and drop us a rating as well on Apple Podcasts if you listen via the Apple Podcasts app. But yeah, from me, Mike Duffy, and my co-host, Ben Aiton, thank you very much. Stay safe and come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.